Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 83 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is September 16th. 2009. We have an exciting show for you today on the podcast. We're going to be talking about the big win over Ohio State and Columbus, of course, and then visiting Coach Sarkeesian up in Seattle with Washington coming up this weekend. Uh, we have Harvey Hyde. We have Dan Wyke. We have Gerard Martinez. We'll talk to all those guys throughout the podcast, and we'll answer your questions. And if you have any questions, you can always drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. We try to get to each and every one of your questions. And if we don't, please send them again. We'll, we'll really read them on the air and talk about them. And uh, Coach Harvey Hyde in the first segment, as always. What's going on, Coach? What do you think of that game? Well, I'll tell you what. That was something special. Wasn't that wasn't a game. That was an event. <laughs> that wasn't a game. I mean, when you think about it, did you see the numbers today, uh, ESPN numbers? Yeah, they said it was the highest-rated college football game they've had i think or maybe in the last 15 years or something yeah ever on espn so not only that the state of ohio sc didn't play usc didn't play ohio state they played ohio they played the big 10 they played everyone but that game represented the big 10 that game represented the state of ohio 106,000, the largest crowd ever there at the horseshoe and for the Trojans to go in there and uh, make a statement, and that was a statement game. When you never give up, and when things look like they're not going your way, and things are breaking down like the special teams and field position, and you can go on and on and on, yet your team holds in there and keeps it close, and with determination, with a few minutes left in the game, the team comes together. You might lose a few battles, but USC won the war. I agree and with you. that's the way you got to look at it. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, Coach. And uh, it's going to be an exciting year for USC football. If you need tickets, uh, we just want to thank our sponsor for the segment, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com. If you're a new USC fan, where else would you want to go for tickets? 1-800-888-7287. Of course, they got sports, but, you know, concerts and theater. If you want to take your girlfriend somewhere, you can do that as well. Um, Coach, yeah, I mean, so that game, I, I, a lot of people on the message boards were – and I was a little surprised by this. They were a little upset. I think they wanted to see a, a larger margin of victory. But, I, you know, as a coach, I, I'm sure you want to just win every game that you can. But when the era of the BCS, you kind of have to get style points. I don't think USC was hurt by, you know, only barely beating Ohio State. I mean, everything kind of went wrong for USC. They were in the roughest environment you could imagine. And they still came out with a true freshman quarterback and won that game. I think that's one of those games. If you can win that by a point, you should walk away, you know, ecstatic. Well, I agree with you 100%. I mean, uh, you know, we're not trying to, uh, you know, cover the points or they're, they're not trying to do anything like that. They're trying to win a football game in a very hostile uh, atmosphere, and they were able to do that. And 
for people that say, oh, they should have won by more. Oh, yeah, it'd be always great to win by more. But then I, then you're not so tight and you're not exhausted after the game and you're not ready to. Some people told me they had the gun out and in their mouth, okay? <laughs> so, you know, you can't, you can't uh, do that. Well, you've got to look at it as the positive. Uh, if you're an SC fan, and I'm an SC fan, how relieved you are that you're able to be able to go back there and do that because that game went back and forth, back and forth, and there were things that were negative in that game. Look at this as a positive. Can I give you a positive point? And I haven't heard one person talk about this. In two years, Ohio State has scored one touchdown on USC. One touchdown. Now, just think about that. Would you ever believe that USC – would hold Ohio State to one touchdown in two years. I mean, it's just crazy. And I, I think I was a little disappointed in some of the fans that were on the Peristyle. Not everybody was like this, but, you know, some people were. They were kind of upset. They wanted that bigger margin of victory. But, man, I mean. Those I was, were the betters. Those were the betters. <laughs> but, I mean, I was down on the field. I've never experienced anything like it. It was so loud. You could hardly hear yourself think. And, you know, things didn't go right. With the If, if fans want to be upset about something, I think it would be how – poorly the special teams performed and I, I really thought they were going to be a lot better this year having uh, Brian Schneider come in there and maybe it's going to take a little longer to get his systems and stuff in play but they never got any sort of positive field position from a special teams play every time it was a fair catch uh, they never got a big run back uh, it was you know they were constantly fighting that field position battle and you know as a coach that's a big hole to dig out of each and every drive absolutely uh, difficult very difficult and you know it's not Brian Snyder. Now, he's not telling, he's not telling the punter. He's not telling O'Malley, hey, uh, just average 34 yards or 37 yards a game. It, it's not O'Malley, and it's not O'Malley telling the snapper, hey, once in a while, let's see if O'Malley's awake, snap it a little high and see if he can jump there, up there and catch it. You know, it's, it's not that. Those are things that can be corrected. And those are things that need to be worked on. The thing that bothers you probably the most is most of the errors happen in one area. And that's why you're talking about that. Maybe there are 15 plays during the game when you consider all the punts, kickoff, kickoff returns, and so on. And when you look at it and you see that there are several mistakes as far as in that one area, and it has to do basically with punting, and I'd certainly like to see the kickoffs be a lot deeper. We're spoiled because of Beeler last year kicking it out of the end zone because I think, thought we all thought really that the recruit that came in from uh, Jacob uh, Hartman from Mount Sac would kick the ball we understood. Now, I didn't see him play through the end zone or out of the end zone. It was an outstanding uh, field goal kicker and punter. And so far that hasn't happened. So, you know, it's sort of why you look at it this way is you don't expect a team like USC to be without great players in every position. And right now in that area, as far as the field goal, now we were one for one. We missed one that hit the crossbar. I shouldn't be saying we, but SC. And you usually should have a kicker that makes those. When you're USC, you should have the best kicker in America at USC, as you do everything else. And I and I tell you, I think they've committed a kid next year from Bakersfield. Now I think he's a punter. What's his name? Burke or something? 
Uh, yeah, I don't have it in front of me. I know who you're talking about, though. Yeah. It, yeah, it, but it's supposed to be a boomer putter. Now, I don't know if he kicks off or does anything else. I know he's a shot putter and a discus guy on track, and he's a punter. So he's supposed to be the best punter in America. So, But you hate to see, you know, an area, any area, in a football program like USC or any major university with a weak area, especially in that area when you have – Stacks of players at other areas. And I think that's what's bothering everyone. But that can be all be corrected. And, and, and they said they were going to address that this week. You heard Pete Carroll said he was going to address that situation. And it could be uh, uh, Hartman putting uh, and not O'Malley. Uh, I think he put O'Malley on scholarship, too. I'm not sure. I think no, he did. It, no, O'Malley was not. They put Congdon on scholarship. O'Malley Congdon, did not. Congdon, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. They put him on scholarship. So, you know, Pete Carroll is not afraid to award scholarships to athletes who perform or pay a price. So uh, that's got to be worked on because that can win and lose a football game for you. Believe me, if the defense hadn't played as well as it played, the defense always allowed the offense to be within uh, scoring or winning the game. If the defense would have broken down, that could have been a blowout. Yeah, I mean, it could have been ugly, and it – you know, luckily the defense that always took over at what it seemed like midfield, they stiffened up. And uh, you know, without that, without that Herculean effort by the defense, it just it could have been a blowout. So it, you know, hats off to them, kudos to them, and Coach Seto for putting together a good game plan, and Coach Carroll, of course. But this this kind of leads into a question we had from uh, uh, oh, I don't know if I wrote his name. I think it's Gary Berg. Uh, or I wrote down Gray. It's probably Gary. So <laughs> dyslexic there. Whoever but, it is, this yeah. is for Gary and Gray. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so it, USC got off, got off to a slow start after that interception, of course. I mean, the offense really didn't do much. It took him four plays to score from two yards out. But uh, he wanted to know, you know, Coach Carroll's philosophy is you can't win in the first, can't win in the second, can't win in the third quarter. You can only win the game in the first quarter. And he wanted to know, does this lead to a lack of urgency or a casual attitude during the early stages of the game? Because it looked like things didn't really get rolling until there was an urgency there where the the end of the first half or – you know, towards the end of the fourth quarter when things really got rolling? No, I think that's a misconception. Uh, every every quarter, every play is important and so on. And I think part of the problem was uh, the defense that Ohio State ran. It took a while for SC to adjust to it. They're obviously going to stop the run. There was no – if you saw it uh, yourself, you saw eight guys. You saw almost a four-linebacker look right in the box there. One extra guy to block, very difficult to block that. And and they played it very well. And, and early in the game, SC ran the ball on first and second down and threw on third down. And they would uh, they had the perfect defense as far as stopping the run for USC. Now, uh, as the game went along, they adjusted a little bit, especially on that drive that won the football game. They got out of that a little bit and played a little bit safe, more to play the pass. And McKnight made a great uh, play. That was like we call that an A option. If you saw that earlier in the game, Ohio State was using that on USC with Swain throwing the ball out of the backfield and mismatching a running back with a linebacker. So SC came back and did it to McKnight. McKnight uh, had a great play uh, when he broke back against the cushion and, and, and got a very valuable first down. And I think another thing, I think USC's offensive line got punched early in the game. And what I mean by that, they took hits. Uh, They went against some linemen uh, 
They were mature men. And it wasn't uh, an easy task to block these guys. They were tough defensive linemen from Ohio State. This Hayward kid, you know, that's Iron uh, Ironwood uh, Hayward's kid. Did you know that? I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, 97. And I'm going to tell you, that kid can play. You will FC will not face a better defensive lineman the entire year. That kid dominated, dominated the people he played against. I mean, he is a great, great player, about a 6'6", 275-pound defensive end. And they started blocking him better uh, in the second half and, and, and towards the, and especially that drive when they broke back inside. So uh, I, I think that's another thing, too. They didn't go against the San Jose State line here. They went Ohio against Ohio State's defensive line. And, and it's a little different when you, uh, you know, get the raves you did the week before. And then all of a sudden there's a guy over there with a sledgehammer uh, pounding <laughs> on you. And it's a little bit different. So I think that's where it is. I think that uh, the defense is my uh, player of the week award because they kept SC in the game the entire game with the field positions and so on. My offensive player of the weeks go to uh, Barkley and McKnight. And one thing I was really impressed with, and I think SC has to look at, is the way the defensive secondary of Ohio State took the receivers out of the game. I mean, they came up and played mad in the entire game, took uh, – Asbury out of the game. I mean, don't get me wrong. They made some great – they made some catches, but the ball had to be perfectly thrown. And the defensive backs were right there. Even that pass that Williams caught and almost got a touchdown in the corner of the end zone, the ball had to be perfect. And the one Asbury caught on the fade down there for a touchdown, he lined up too wide you got to line up inside more when you're going to put a mismatch on a defensive back so that you have space to work with. He lined up too wide, and when he did the fade, he caught the ball. The ball was thrown perfect, but he was out of bounds. So I, was, I think the loss of Johnson and the, on the offense, the speed guy really hurt them offensively. They were not afraid of the deep ball. That's Ohio State's philosophy. And they need to get a Patterson or somebody into the game that's got some great speed that they're worried about beating them deep. But they did not get beat deep, and they were not worried about getting beat deep. That was a good point. And there was a lot of you know press coverage that Ohio State executed really well, and they made it really difficult on Barkley, especially with the running game not going the way they wanted to go. Um, this, there was a lot of noise, too, and it made it difficult on uh, Barkley, of course, because it was so loud down there. And, you could see Barkley kind of coming to the line and pointing around and stuff. And uh, your friend Terrian had a question, another football 101 on this. Um, what is the uh, what are the, the calls that the quarterback is making when he comes up under center and starts pointing to uh, defensive players? It, you know, like he'll point to a linebacker or something. And who's he talking to? What what kind of stuff is going on there? Well, uh, a lot of times, what they're doing is is pointing to the strong side or the person that the back has responsibility for on a pass rush if he comes in, or uh, the strong side of the defense on, on what's going on. Now, you really don't know what he, he is saying or signaling to his, to his players. Now, remember, the offensive line can't see that. It's, it's the receivers or the backs that can actually see that. You see centers pointing where the offensive line can see to linebackers or, or strong side 
weak side so they know which way the strong side is and, and who they should block as far as their count-offs and rules, as far as blocking rules on the line of scrimmage. But it's normally uh, having to do with receivers and having to do with backs, understanding where the strong side is or who the strong side guy is or who the back has uh, or who and so on. They're reading it for those guys. So I don't know, you know, what they were doing because they didn't know what their game plan was or anything. But there's, there's a reason he's doing that. And sometimes he's doing that just to help them. Sometimes they know, but he's just reinforcing to them that uh, this is this is what we're doing, and this is what you have to look for. So uh, uh, that's basically what it is. I, I mean, I don't know because I'm not in their game plan meetings or, or understand what they're looking for or what the play is or anything like that. But he's signaling something of significance to make sure those kids know what he, what they're supposed to do. Makes sense, Coach. All right. And then uh, I guess the last topic we can go over a little bit is Coach Sarkeesian, I don't know if you've ever had to coach against a former assistant. Uh, what's that going to be like for, for Pete Carroll? I mean, it, it, to, to me, people were talking about this could be a possible trap game. But I think when Pete Carroll has someone's undivided attention, I think a former offensive coordinator like Sarkeesian is, I think will get Pete Carroll's attention. You know, former defensive coordinator, Nick Holt, bunch of guys that used to work in the football office all work up there under Sarkeesian right now. They, they played LSU well. Uh, they have a you know one of the better quarterbacks in the country, Jake Locker. I don't think this is a, a game they look over, even though they just beat Ohio State team. I think there's a lot of reasons for this to have Pete Carroll's undivided attention. Well, you know, you have his attention every game. Uh, he's that type of person. Uh, what he says and he he means. Uh, uh, everyone is, is every game is a big game for us, and this is a tremendous game for USC. Uh, you know, if you get by this game, I'm not saying Washington State is a give me, but I think it's an opportunity to rest a little bit before they have to play Cal and Notre Dame. This is a key game because if you beat Ohio State and then you lose to Washington, that's doubly worse because you've lost a conference game and you've got a loss in the, a loss on your record. This is a conference game. So it's very, very important to win this game at Washington. You can't lose conference games, and conference games are something that USC has done or lost over the last year or so. They lost to Oregon State. They lost to UCLA. Or they're going to play for the national championship. Now, Washington, the whole philosophy there has changed. They are back. They have made a commitment at Washington to win. They have put the money up. They love the philosophy of uh, Sarkeesian. Uh, they, the people are in the stadium. People are screaming. They're yelling. Practices are now open. Uh, people can go out. Uh, Keith Sarkeesian has taken the USC program almost exactly to the University of Washington, including the offense and defense that they're running on the field. And people are excited about it. And, you know, they got their first win last week. I mean, they haven't had a win in, what, some 15 games. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's been a long time since they know what the feeling is. And the people are excited. And they were excited. I thought they played LSU to a heck of a football game until LSU sort of wore them down at the end of the game. Now, Washington will be really excited to play. This is their bowl game up there for Keith Sarkeesian. He is going to, you know, this is important. He'll have every top Washington recruit at this football game. And it's going to be a game that 
he's going to try to utilize on TV and so on, that he can play with the Trojans. Now, can he beat the Trojans? Yeah, anybody can beat anybody. But what he wants to do is play the Trojans well. The worst thing that can happen to him is to get beat bad. And he's not going to let that happen by controlling the type of plays he calls, by keeping the clock running, by making sure that the Huskies have a great performance against USC. Now, by that means, don't allow any big plays. Uh, you know, let's don't uh, give them uh, some score on a, uh, the kicking game or something that would uh, make this uh, something that we can't use as a positive game. Now, Jake Locker's a great player. I, I'm going to tell you, the quarterback in Washington is a great player. And, and Pete Carroll talks about him. I'll be honest with you. He, in the Ohio State offense, I know Terrell Pryor is a great player. But Locker at Ohio State would be t- like Tebow at Florida. He can throw. He can run. He's a great player. He's mature, and he always gives you that threat. He scares you, but you never know when he'll give that big play that could hurt you. When you think it's going to be, uh, when you have just starting to get the momentum going, he'll, he'll, he'll change that for you. So you can't take him for granted. Running back, Pope, uh, he's a pretty good player. He was from, what, East Redlands High School. He was one that did commit to USC, then decommitted and went to Washington with when Tyrone was up there. So they have a pretty good little running game, passing game, defense. But let let me just put it on the line with you. If the Trojans go up there and look at this as an exciting game to them and get ready to play, my X is better than your O. Now, they can play exciting football at Washington, but so can the Trojans. And the Trojans can't allow and should have listened and learned the last two years, how they lost the national championship game to a team on the road by not being ready to play. And that's exactly the case. You can say anything you want about Oregon State. Thomas had a great game, this and that. UCLA, oh, yeah, they had a great game in the Rose Bowl and so on. But there is no way those teams should have beat them. And Washington should not beat USC. So it's all on the Trojans on how they play and their attitude on going up there. Because Washington will have them ready to play, but they don't have the players to play at the ability if USC is ready to play. So SC should win that football game. Then giving them an opportunity to come back home. And when they come back home, there should be a sellout crowd. If Even if it is Washington State, I don't care who it is, and really give these guys a homecoming game. I mean, I'm not, I don't know if it's homecoming, but I'm talking about go crazy and applaud them for what they've done. But they've got to get ready for Cal. And Cal's the team in the Pac-10 that everybody's looking at. So Notre Dame, yeah, it'll be a challenge too. But you can't get too far ahead. No, we can't, Coach. And uh, it's going to be exciting. Two Washington schools up next. Two former coordinators up in Seattle that Pete Carroll gets to go against. So it should be a lot of fun. I'll be looking forward to watching that one i'm sure you will as well but thanks again for joining us we appreciate all your insights well thank you very much ryan and thank you uh, out there whoever sends these questions in and keeps us fired up and uh we'll talk to you next week everyone else yeah thank you very much for tuning in we'll be back 30 seconds talking to dan wikey more about the usc football team and the upcoming game with washington stay tuned and, do- and don't
And don't forget Southern California Ticket Service. Yes, thank you for Southern California Tickets for sponsoring this segment. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We're going to talk some more USC football in this segment with uscfootball.com's beat writer, Dan Whitey. What's up, Dan? How you doing, Ryan? Everything's good. Just uh, It was a fun trip. I hope you had a good time back in CBUS. We're back in L.A. now, back to the grind. Just going to get an update on what's been going on this week, and then obviously looking ahead to Washington. You enjoyed your trip back there? I did. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, always good to get in the Midwest and always good to, to watch USC get a win, I guess, like that. I mean, that was, it was pretty exciting. Pretty insane game. Uh, but before we get in everything going, I just want to uh, thank our sponsor for this segment, uh, nationaltailgate.com. Uh, next home game is coming up against Washington State. So if you need any kind of tailgating gear, Check out nationaltailgate.com. They're friends of ours, and uh, they're helping out. Dan, I thought there was something that you wanted to talk about. They, there was a pretty cool feature that they had, or there was a pretty cool item? There are two that, that, that stick out. That I, I um, Every week I go check it out just because they're, they're always putting up new stuff. and I don't know. Um, one was uh, the tailgate couch. Um, for, for someone like me who, who, who loves couches, just loves them, um, loves the lay down. Anybody who knows me knows that. Um, sound like a pretty lazy slob when I say that, don't I? Uh, but uh, yes, you know they 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 have like almost like a, a camping chair, but it's actually a couch, and it, it's ideally it's for the back of a flatbed truck, but also um, you could put it on the grass. I, I would imagine. Um, awesome product, great idea. I love the idea of waking up at at, at six a.m drinking a little breakfast, maybe curling up on the couch for an hour or two, watching some watching college game day or something like Sounds that. Sounds good. Games. And what was the other one? The other one was the, uh, huh, they have like a campfire in a can a where can. you just light a can on fire and it turns into a campfire. Oh, pretty cool. And you can like uh, grill marshmallows. I, yeah. Well, I just like the idea of lighting a can on fire. <laughs> All right. I, I just think that that sounds like a good time. Cool. Well, check them out. Uh, see if you have any favorite products, nationaltailgate.com. Thanks again for their sponsorship. And 10% for this. off. And oh, yeah. And if you mention podcast. Podcast. Too, you so. get 10% off. So that's pretty cool. And then they'll know you came from yeah. us. So that would be that would be very nice because maybe they'll keep sponsoring us. That would be cool. Um, I also wanted to remind everyone, we have, uh, I sent out some emails and stuff, but if you haven't heard this, uh, we're going to have another uscfootball.com dinner. We had one couple months ago and uh we have a very special guest for this one well anyway it'll be september 24th thursday that's uh today's wednesday uh it'll be a week from tomorrow if you're listening to this podcast the day we tape it um september 24th thursday night national sports grill in torrance at 7 30 p.m we have a couple special guests one 
will be former Trojan great Anthony Davis. He's an All-American tailback at USC, just missed winning the Heisman. They like to call him the Notre Dame killer. So he's going to be down there. He'll be talking to the crowd, signing autographs, stuff like that. So if you haven't met Anthony Davis, you want to hear him speak, it'll be great. We also have Shane Foley, who is uh, he's going to do some analysis work for us on the quarterbacks, and uh, he'll be joining us as well. So he'll answer your questions, talk to the crowd a little bit. And I will have Dan Weike there too. Dan, you're going to be there. Give him some, give him some insight to the people. Also available to sign autographs. Yeah, uh, I don't recommend that, but it's uh, September 24th, <laughs> 7:30 p.m. National Sports Grill. Anthony Davis will be our featured featured speaker. It's 20 bucks at the door to come in. It concludes dinner. The program will have uh, lots of prizes to give out. We gave some really cool prizes last time: signed football. Some uh, some prints by Mike Richardson, our photographer, that were framed and everything. So it'll be cool stuff. Check it out. Definitely worth it. Everyone had a good time last time. Uh, if you have any questions, just drop me an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. But, Dan, I, let's talk about the, the Ohio State game, uh, I guess, real quick. And, um, the, I, you know, there's a lot of different things you could talk about. One of the things I wanted to bring up with you was every time we've done radio shows, uh, people ask about the, the tailback rotation. There's still a rotation, but it's very different now. Talk about that being, you know, J- Joe McKnight now being the featured guy for the USC Trojans. Well, I think that they, they realize that he's their, their best running back. He's their best athlete, probably on offense. And, and the plan, I guess, all along was they, they want to get the most big plays out of Joe. So instead of saying, you know what, we're going to give him the ball nine times a game, they're going to give him more looks in an effort to, to make more big plays and to get more big plays out of him. Simple, makes sense. Um, you know, I think they wanted to rotate Gable and Bradford in more against Ohio State. It just never really called for it. And um, that's kind of, you know, what they're going to do is they're going to – Joe McKnight's going to be the guy on this offense. And, and so far, so good. I mean, he's looked he's looked fantastic, um, really, as a, as a player who um, – it's been fun to watch to see a kid live up to, to, to his potential, really, um, here at the start of the season and, and really just make some really crucial clutch plays. And then, you know, Stephon Johnson's doing what Stephon Johnson does, you know, scoring touchdowns. He might score 30 touchdowns this year. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, really, I, I mean, not 30, but but if I told you 20, would you buy 20? I wouldn't buy it, but it's pot- I mean, he's on pace right now, but uh, that's going to be tough to maintain over the course of the season. But he's been kind of their short yardage guy. I kind of pounded in, dude. Yeah, and he, he's just so good at it. Even when, you know, um, when the driver – Drive 95, as I, I'd like to refer to it from now on. Um, you know, at the end of that drive, it might have been just, just tough as nails that entire drive. Still, they got down to the goal line, and, and you know, this tells you how much Carroll thinks of Stephon Johnson. That's who they gave the ball to. And sure enough, you know, they gave him a, a little zone handoff, followed great blocks by Tyron Smith and an amazing block by Anthony McCoy. You know, scooted into the, the end zone untouched. I mean, score. I mean, it shows even that play call in itself shows how much confidence they have in Stefan because that zone read, it, it's basically saying, here you go, Stefan, find a hole. All right. Now, it's on I'm, you. We're not telling you to follow the guard, but you've got to find the hole. All right. Well, obviously, it's a big win for USC and Ohio State, but talking about, we had a question that came in about the strength of schedule in the Pac 10. And, you know, obviously, there's a lot of football left to be played, but what do you think of uh, what, the, what is the Pac 10 doing now? to help out. You know, we talked about this being really important. Oregon losing to Boise state obviously didn't help. Um, there's been some other conference losses there. What do you, what do you think overall the PAC 10 strength of schedule? You know, I think this weekend is huge. 
um, you know, this weekend, uh, with the exception of Washington State playing SMU, um, the, the, everybody everybody gets a good game. Um, you know, uh, Cal goes to Minnesota. Um, you know, a two-no Minnesota team that that you know has really played good football over the last year. Um, not great football, but good football. Um, Oregon hosts Utah. You know, a team obviously that went undefeated last year. Um, Arizona goes to Iowa, another two and zero team that a lot of people think is maybe one of the sleeper teams in the in the Big Ten. And you know, Oregon State hosts Cincinnati, who, who's a surging team. Um, you know, so this is a really big weekend um, for the Pac-10 strength schedule. I think so far so good. Um, UCLA has done has done a nice job. Um, you know, going to Tennessee, getting a win—that's a good win for the conference. Obviously, you, you know, USC going to Ohio State's a great win for the conference. So, um, you know, the game that kind of snuck away from the Pac-10 was Stanford um, at Wake Forest. That was a game probably Stanford should have won. Um, but you know, I mean, they're playing good football too right now. So, so it's been it's been good so far for the Pac-10, I think. Yeah, that Stanford game. I think they're up seventeen to three or something. That was kind of a disappointing <laughs> collapse there. But uh, yeah, we'll see. It, it'll be it'll be good week. We'll see what happens. And one more question. Um, just want to get an update. This is from Chris in San Diego on uh, the five-star recruit that came in, Patrick Hall. What's the update there? Um, you know, Patrick Hall, unfortunately, um, is not going to be with the team um, this season. He, uh, he practiced a little bit early, um, hurt his knee, had to have surgery, and um, I guess – I don't know, kind of compounding factors. Um, he, he didn't enroll, didn't get cleared um, to enroll. So he is going to, the plan is right now, he's essentially going to be a gray shirt um, where, where, you know, they, they still kind of have him in the fold, but um, the plan is to bring him in in the spring and, and, and have him rejoin the team at that point in time. But, uh, but as of right now, it's reflected in the rankings for the, for the class that uh, Patrick Hall is not with the team right now. All right. And then uh, you were at the press conference yesterday. I guess some of the biggest news being Matt Barkley practicing. Maybe you want to give an update on that. Or Matt Barkley not practicing. Well, yeah, Matt Barkley's um, status at practice. Yeah, no, he um, he's hurting. Um, really, you know, he's uh, he, he, it's range of motions giving him some trouble. Um, you know, there's pain. Um, I think he was hopeful that uh, because there was some improvement between Saturday and yesterday, I think he was hopeful that yesterday he could go out and throw the football. Um, but, you know, when he tried in the morning, he tried to actually do that throwing motion. He tried to bring his shoulder back, rotate that back, and follow through quickly. It was just too painful. And, um, you know, it could, it could be a tough situation. I'm not 100% sure that he's going to play. Um, I know he wants to. But, uh, you know, I, I just don't know if his body will allow it. Um, so Aaron Corpson taking the first team reps. He's looked good. I'm a little rusty here and there on, on some stuff like the pit, like pitches to the running back and stuff like that, stuff he hasn't had to do. You know, backups don't really get a ton of, ton of reps this time of year. So, you know, he's, he's shaking a little of the rust off. But, um, you know, he's looked, he's looked good, I think. And then uh, what else came out of that press conference? Anything other, any interesting news from what Pete Carroll was talking about? Well, I mean, obviously, it's just fun, I think, for, for these guys right now to play Sark um, and, and Washington and Nickel this week and, and Slu and, and Jared Blank and everybody else from the program that, uh, that defected, I guess, up <laughs> north. Uh, you know, um, it's like, you know, it's like Carol's Castro and he's just coming to get all those Cubans. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that Pete Carroll's like Fidel Castro. I just want to point that out. 
Um, anyway, no. So you're so, saying, um, yeah, I think so you're saying excited. Pete Carroll's a communist dictator. Okay, cool. That's everyone on the message boards. Yeah. Make sure you make a note of that. Dan Wucky believes Pete Carroll is a communist dictator. <laughs> That's not at all. What I say. <laughs> um, anyway, no, um, I think, you know, they're excited about it. Um, I was talking to one of the other Pete reporters and I think, uh, you got, you know, you'll recognize this. Like, like Ryan, let, let's say we're out on the golf course and we're both playing um, and we're not cheating. Okay. Um, I've never seen you not cheat. Happened, <laughs> I was going to say, which has happened once or twice before. Um, so for me, it'd be fun to beat you by a stroke. Like that'd be fun, you know, but it'd be way more fun to beat you by 20. Like I, I would love it. You know what I mean? And, and it's, it's just to, to, to take, to take care of your friends in such an easy fashion like that and to beat them like that. Oh, it's a great feeling because then you can kind of hold it over them. I think that's kind of what, that's the sense that I get. Um, you know, Carol would never say that, that he's going up there to try to really, you know, kill Washington. But I think they're going to. I, I like. I know this is going to be a tough game, um, for a lot of reasons, emotionally and stuff like that. But I just think that you know, Carol said as much that he loves playing guys that he likes. Like it's his favorite thing to do. No, and to I, coach against his friends. It makes and, sense. And, you know, I mean, oh, go ahead. Well, yeah, uh, no, no, it just makes sense. Because you, you have Nick Holt up there. You have, you know, Slutak, all those guys. You know, even you mentioned Jared Blank. He's got his name mentioned twice on the podcast. That's amazing. Uh, but you know, he was a guy that worked I and mean, he worked like the door for a while, but he was an assistant to Slutak, who was the director of football operations who took that job, uh, up in Seattle. But obviously those coordinators know USC very well because they were, you know, you're talking the two, the offensive and the defensive coordinators are now gone and up there. So obviously they know the kind of stuff that USC does. And we talked to Harvey Hyde in the last segment about this, but you know, <laughs> Pete Carroll's X's are bigger than Sark's O's. And I think that's what'll be the difference. Ooh, I like that. That's really good. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's part of it. I, I think, too, another thing to consider is that, you know, um, Carroll probably knows Washington right now better um, schematically than Washington knows USC because, you know, I mean, Jeremy Bates uh, brought new ideas to the offense, ideas that Sark hasn't seen, um, has only been able to see on, on film for two games. You know, the one advantage Washington does have is they just know the personnel better. Um, you know, it, it's like Sark could probably talk more about, you know, Michael Reardon than than Carroll could talk about, you know, a second or third string offensive lineman at Washington. You know, and I don't know how much of an advantage that is, but I, I, I it exists and, and that's one thing I think that, that Sark does have um going for him in this game. Um, you know, another thing is they're coming up a win, albeit against Idaho State, but it's a win. And for Washington, you know, those don't happen all that often recently. So no, not so at all. That's a good thing. Yeah, I mean that's a good thing for them. You know, I mean they've they've kind of gotten that taste now, and you know, obviously I think they're going to want to win again. Um, it's just going to be so difficult, like you said. Um, you know, USC is just physically superior, and uh, I don't think what happened at Oregon State is going to happen again, where where they're just not prepared to play football after after such an emotional win. I would be. I'd be very surprised, and if it does happen, I think that's when, you know, you can ask you can ask questions. Carol said it as, as much that you know I uh, we didn't do a good enough job of preparing these guys. I didn't do a good enough job of preparing these guys last year for this. You know, um, after the game on Saturday at Ohio State, you know, I mean, he said Oregon State in the locker room. He mentioned that loss um, in, in an effort to kind of get his players ready for the, the upcoming week and stuff like that. So 
you know, I, I get the sense they're going to be ready, but, you know, you never know, I guess, until game time. No, and Pete Carroll doesn't like to mention stuff like that. He doesn't usually use past, uh, you know, mishaps or, you know, uh, anything that went wrong before. He doesn't usually like to use that as motivation. They always like looking forward. So obviously he was concerned about that. But for me, and we talked about this, I think, on the last podcast or the podcast before, I don't really feel that this is a overlooked trap game because of everything we mentioned, because this will have everybody's undivided attention. You know, Pete Carroll's going to want to beat his friend, like you mentioned, and and maybe the best player on the team, Taylor Mays, for whatever reason, you know, I don't know what the University of Washington did to him. You know, he's from Seattle, but whenever you talk to him, I don't know if you got to talk to him yet, before playing the Washington game, he always seems to be extra motivated. Like, he really wants to kill those guys. I don't think they ever did anything, anything wrong to him, but he just, it's not like they didn't offer him a scholarship and he wants to get revenge or anything, but he just wants to go out and kill those guys. Yeah, um, you know, he said something about that. Um, we actually talked to him about that yesterday. Um, and then, first of all, I mean, there's no guarantee that he's playing in this game. Um, you know, he's banged up right now uh, with his sprained knee. But um, I think he'll be out on the field, um, you know. Yeah, if, not, if there's any chance, he's going to come career. out there. Yeah, he's played every game in his career. I don't see him missing this game. But, um, you know, he, he said it's not about that so much, about, about playing in front of his home They just try to get up for every game. But, I don't know. I, I you're right. I, I do get a sense that there's a little extra juice. You know, he was Taylor. Sometimes um, for people who to talk to him on the field, he can be a little moody maybe sometimes, and you can never really tell exactly where his head's at. And, and I mean, not in a bad way. It's just hard to tell. You know, sometimes he's really really funny, um, and other times he's just really short and serious. He was funny yesterday. Very funny. Um, you know, I asked him about his knee brace that he was holding. You know, if he's ever played wearing it, wearing a brace before, and he's like, "Yeah, um, braces on my teeth." You know, and I thought that was pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean, he never has had to play football with a knee brace on. It's kind of clunky. He said he feels like an offensive lineman when he wears it, but you know, it's still. I mean, it's not going to matter. Um, he's so fast and and, and so strong. It, it's not, it's not going to matter. They they can't match up with him athletically. Um, so it'll be. I think he'll be on the field, and I think he will be up for the game, obviously, in front of a hometown crowd, even if he won't admit it. Now, LSU went up there and struggled a little bit. I think that was more of they're just not used to playing that far from home. USC's been up there plenty of times. It's not the same environment that it was, you know, years back when it was really intimidating to go up there. It's going to be loud, I think, but not not quite the same as when they were in their heyday, and they would actually have a good chance of beating USC on that field. Uh, but you know, they, they played LSU tough, and LSU has a lot of athletes. Um, are you seeing this kind of being a close game, or do you think USC just take care of business pretty easily? Um, you know, I, I've, like I, I've said that I thought it could be a tough game, um, but I think it all signs are pointing to, it, to, to USC winning pretty handily at this point. Um, they just seem focused. They, they seem aware of the pass, um, but, you know, they don't want to repeat it. Um, the, the other thing that I like, um, too, when you mentioned the LSU game, um, that, that's tough. That's a night game, and you know, opening weekend with a new head coach. I mean, like that stadium's not going to be louder than that ever this year. I mean, that's that's it at its at its highest, you know. Um, so I think you know the crowd's going to be up for USC, but you know it's a noon start. Um, you know, it, it won't be too cold. Um, it might be a little rainy. Um, you know, when is it not a little rainy in Seattle? But you know, it, I, I just. I just get a sense that they're they're ready. Um, you know, if court plays, I, I think the offense that that added dimension, the offense will look good. You know, it'll be 
a pretty smooth transition. And if Barkley plays, I think you'll see the running game, you know, really, really trying to hammer Washington. Right. I think they're going to stick with the running game and keep going with it. More conservative, uh, 60, 40, 66, 33, whatever it'll be. It'll be, there'll be a lot of runs, but all right, Dan. Well, thanks for, uh, joining us and hope you enjoy your trip up to Seattle. We'll talk to you next week. Get your thoughts on that. All right. Sounds good, Ryan. All right. Everyone definitely check out nationaltailgate.com and, uh, for all the game coverage, you know, we were Dan and I were both in Ohio State. We put up a ton of stories, videos, photos. We were at the walkthrough. Everything going on for the game. When the team gets up to wherever they're going, we have it covered. Go to Game Central. It's on uh, uscfootball.com. On the front page, there'll be a little link to it. It's a link to every single story we put up about the game. So we have the Ohio State one up there, uh, San Jose State. We'll put the Washington one up there later this week. But certainly check that out. Be back in 30 seconds. We're going to talk some recruiting with Gerard Martinez. So stay tuned for that. The Peristyle Podcast will be back after this short break. Hey, it's Ryan Abraham, and I wanted to let you college football fans know about NationalTailgate.com, the premier one-stop shop for tailgating supplies. With over 600 products available, the guys at National Tailgate are committed to helping you build the most talked-about tailgate on campus. Don't stress about planning at nationaltailgate.com. They make it easy. From grills to generators to games, our friends at nationaltailgate.com got it covered. As an added bonus, they're offering 10% off to Peristel podcast listeners. Just enter the code PODCAST during checkout. Once again, it's www.nationaltailgate.com, where tailgating is their business. We now return to the Peristel podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We're going to be talking some recruiting in this segment with uscfootball.com recruiting analyst Gerard Martinez. Thanks for joining us today, Gerard. What's going on? Uh, nothing much. Just uh, kind of recovering from uh, a pretty solid weekend of, of college football across the board. Obviously, the night was capped uh, with that USC-Ohio State game. But, man, I mean, what a great weekend of football. So much to talk about. Lots of college football. I love being in the middle of the college football season, it's heating up, lots of great games, but with that means there's a lot of great information on the recruiting front as well. So that's why we wanted to get the update with Gerard because he always knows what is going on. And uh, I guess the biggest news this over this past week, maybe a couple weeks ago, the biggest news was the number two player in the country, uh, Kyle Prater, the wide receiver, deciding that he wanted to go to USC. Well, what, a week and a half later or something like that? Uh, he talks to one of the Rivals.com reporters and says that he wants to now be a soft commitment and he wants to take his visits. And we had at least three questions on this on the podcast. And, of course, people were talking about it on the message boards as well. But I'll kind of read you the first one and I'll, I'll glance over the other ones. Uh, just wanted to get an update on the Kyle Prater situation. Is he taking visits to Oklahoma and Illinois? How worried should USC fans be? And uh, this is from Charles. He also wanted to know that um, Rivals was the only site reporting this, but we do have him on video saying that he, you know, wanted to take some other visits. Um, other questions are kind of similar to that. I guess we maybe we we'll just get started with this. Should USC fans be worried, Gerard, about Kyle Prater? No, no, they shouldn't. Uh, mainly because uh, he's uh, a great recruit and a great player, but uh, you know, a class is never made up of one recruit and one player. 
you kind of have to take a step back a little bit with these things and not get emotionally wrapped up with them. So I worry, I don't know if you worry about recruiting uh, when you have, you know, already a solid class. Obviously, a guy like Kyle Prater uh, is a marquee player uh, that you want in your class. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a process. And at this point, when you have a guy that's out of state, uh, you realize there's going to be a lot of local pressure on him. And I think at this point, he's decided, you know, he wants to take his visits. He kind of talked about that even when he committed, that he was still thinking about maybe taking some visits. And obviously with Illinois being the, kind of the local hometown favorite there, um, he kind of wants to appease some of the local fans. Oklahoma's been a school that he's liked for a long time, and he's looked at local Oklahoma for a long time. In fact, Oklahoma was a leader really before USC came into the picture over the spring. So, you know, should USC fans worry? Not really. I mean, you look at Illinois, you always know that there's going to be some interesting thing there that's going to go on with this family. Maybe they have some second thoughts as it gets closer to the holidays. Now, the interesting thing with Kyle specifically is that Kyle is a December graduate. So the process has accelerated a little bit for him. So there's not going to be a lot of that late December into January, maybe that kind of cold feet type thing. All this stuff is going to happen basically by November. Uh, he's going to kind of know what's going on. And from you know what I gather, he is going to take his visits. It'll probably be during the season. I think he doesn't really have a lot of time to take you know those three visits that he's going to take after the season because when you consider he's going to have to take a visit to also USC, uh, that'd be Illinois, Oklahoma, and USC. Not a lot of time to do that if you're actually graduating already in December. So he's probably going to get these Illinois, the Illinois, the Oklahoma visit down here in October, um, maybe something in November, and probably come into USC maybe November 28th or maybe for the Arizona game uh, the next week. So that's you know the whole process is going to be accelerated. That's good uh, for USC. They're going to know, you know what they have to do, and, and if, if all of a sudden they feel like, you know what, maybe he, he's legitimately wavering and he's going to go somewhere else, um, they know that they've got to go to a plan B uh, as December, January rolls around. Obviously, it's still late, but it's not too late at that point. So, um, you know, worry, I, I really wouldn't. As far as, you know, the chances of those two schools stealing him away from USC, like I said, family, you never know what's going to go on with Illinois if, if there's just second thoughts about leaving away from home. Um, but I think if he leaves the state of Illinois, uh, USC is a school he's going to. He's never officially visited USC. He took an unofficial visit out here uh, for fall camp. Wasn't really out here for very long. So you, you think he gets on an official visit and really gets that, that, that feel of the team and the coaches and, and just the atmosphere around the program, which really sells itself and really is probably the greatest recruiting tool that USC has that if he has that experience last in the process and it's the last thing he experiences, it probably seals the deal for him if, like I said, the leaving home factor isn't really influencing or pushing him away from that commitment he made to USC in September. All right. He was an impressive-looking kid when he came to visit. and I, I, We talked about that in the message board. I think we even mentioned it on the podcast. Wow, just definitely passes the eyeball test. I guess uh, Kevin had a follow-up question to that. You know, you, it's good. I think the USC fans are happy that you're saying that they don't need to worry. Of course, anything could happen. And, uh, you know, up until signing day or in his case, when he was going to sign early to come in for graduate early and come in the spring. But is there some kind of backup plan? Are there other wide receivers out there that USC is kind of going after uh, in the, you know, anticipation that Prater might decommit? On paper, the only backup plan for Prater would be Darius White. Uh, 6'2", 205-pound wide receiver from Dunbar and Fort Worth. Uh, he's a Texas kid. 
a lot of people think that he's leaning towards Oklahoma. Um, he's been kind of back and forth with Oklahoma, Texas, kind of hard to read it, but you know, some of his teammates are kind of leaning and, and it looks like they're going to be going to Oklahoma. So that's the favorite right there. That's on paper. I don't know that USC's really actively hard on Darius White at this point. Um, he would be the only guy that I would say would be a backup plan for Kyle Prater because that's a split end. Uh, Kyle Prater, 6'5", 205. Like you said, he's an impressive-looking kid. He's definitely got the height. He's got the size. He's got those big receiver you know, qualities that you look for. There's not a lot of other receivers in the country like that, and that's probably why he's the number one rated receiver in the nation because you just don't have a lot of guys that are 6'5 that can run. Um, so, you know, is there a plan B? The only really logistic plan B that they would have uh, – that I can see on paper at least would be Darius White. But, you know, how realistic is that that they go and get Darius White or that they can recruit Darius White at this point? Uh, if later on, you know, they feel like Prater's slipping away, you know, I don't know. I don't think that's really a, a great shot at this point. Um, the real plan B, I think that would be in effect, would be more for Robert Woods because in this receiver class you have a lot more receivers that are slot-type receivers, guys who are in that six-foot, six-one range. So, um, you know, maybe if they felt like they were slipping with Prater, they'd go and try to get two slot receivers. And, you know, when they look at the roster you know, and you look at who USC could lose this year, um, obviously Ronald Johnson being hurt, that's going to change, you know, his draft eligibility and whether he really has a legitimate shot at leaving. He may end up taking a red shirt this year. Um, but Damian Williams and, and, and Ronald Johnson coming into this year were the two guys that you would look at that would be draft eligible juniors that could make that jump. And so you think, well, you know, maybe it's a year that USC goes after two slot receivers. If there's a plan B, probably that slot receiver, and, you know, if Robert Wood starts to waver, he's looking at UCLA and Cal. He may take visits also. They've got to look at that. But even if you feel like Robert Woods is solid, maybe you go after another slot receiver. In that case, you've got guys like Tevin Carter, um, who's, a, who's a little bigger, but still probably not big enough to be a, uh, a split in. Um, he's one of the you know 100-meter champion city guys that was great during the spring, uh, committed to Washington, then decommitted from Washington, is now committed to Cal. Uh, you also have a guy that's really under the radar who's a dynamic player that a lot of people don't know about and, and really doesn't have a ton of offers and not a lot of people talking about him, but Deshaun Beck from Los Angeles Jordan High School. Now, he's real small. He's a 5'7", 5'8", guy, uh, maybe a buck sixty, pretty slight. But you talk about dynamic, you talk about speed, you talk about a playmaker. He's one of those guys. He's definitely one of those guys that has that potential to not only be that playmaker in the slot, but also a guy that on special teams is very dynamic. So that's a guy that, you know, he's really got to get his grades together, get his head on straight, finish really strong in the classroom this year. But that's a guy that could be a plan B that would be a heck of a player if you get him into school late in the process. Now you go across the nation and you're talking about the big names that would be plan Bs. You've got Chris Dunkley uh, from Pahokee High School, who's, I mean, one of the best receivers in the country. I think he's a little underrated at this point right now. I think he's legitimately maybe a five-star guy. Um, a long shot to probably leave Florida. He's probably going to University of Florida at this point. In fact, a lot of people assume he would already commit to Florida at this point, but he's still dangling out there a little bit. A guy that had some interest in USC, has a scholarship offer from USC. And then another guy who's kind of come back in the mix a little bit is Christian Green. Uh, goes to the same high school, Tampa Catholic, um, that Chaz Green goes to. They're not related. Uh, Chaz Green is a big 6'5", 290-pound offensive tackle that USC is uh, recruiting. So you have you know Christian Green and, and, and Chaz Green and maybe you can work something where you get two teammates, maybe they're more comfortable coming out to the West Coast together. So if there's a plan B, like I said, it's probably more of that Z than it is the X. It's more of that slot type receiver than it is the actual, you know, big split end that you have in Kyle Prater.
All right. Uh, let's last thing on Prater from uh, Mickey in South Carolina. Uh, he, he he just wanted to make a comment and wanted to get our insights on this. He felt that if Prater does decommit, it would be a huge loss for USC, but also for Prater himself because of the academics. And uh, just I'll make a quick comment and get what your you know uh, your thoughts are here. I mean, it's hard to fault a kid if especially he wants to. I mean, Illinois is a great academic school. I think he'd do fine at Oklahoma as well. I mean, you can't really blame him if he wants to go somewhere else. Uh, besides USC, especially if it's going to be a place that's close to home. Uh, I, I, I don't want to get people getting down on kids just because they don't pick the right school. I think, you know, different people fit different situations. It, it looks like Prater would be a good fit for USC, but, you know, obviously we're going to have to wait and see. And like Gerard said at the top of this segment, you know, probably not a whole lot to worry about. We'll see. But any thoughts on that, Gerard? No, I think you said it pretty well. I mean, you, you really can't judge uh, these 17-year-old kids until you walk through their shoes. I mean, what they're looking for in a school, what's important for them, may not be what's important for you. And I, I think, you know, it's easy to get high and mighty and to get self-righteous about, you know, where a kid should go. And he should realize that, you know, USC is this dream school and it's, and it's prestige academically and athletically is, 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 you know, second to none. And you get this kind of – this. And I don't want to call it arrogance. Um, it, it becomes an arrogance a little bit with the fan base when, when certain kids, you know, they're looking at schools and it's like, well, you know, this kid, he should go to USC. I mean, what is he thinking? It should be USC. But these kids don't see USC the same way as people that have gone to the university for four years or have been around the program their whole lives see USC. You know, they're coming from out of state. It's a totally different perspective. So, you know, I'd never fault a kid. He, you know, you, you're not living that four years of his life for him. And it's it's really tough to go in there and try to make judgment calls on it. Obviously, fans get a little frustrated, and, and they take personal pride in their school. And when a kid decides, you know what, I don't want to go to that school, there's a little bit of a, a sense of rejection, I guess, a little bit. But that's why I tell people don't get too emotionally involved in this thing. You know, it's it's a process, and you kind of have to take it as it comes. And, you know, words like worry just don't really fit the vocabulary <laughs> for me. I, I don't think about things in terms of, you know, am I worried about Kyle Prater and what he's going to do. You know, Kyle Prater needs to worry about Kyle Prater. You know, he's he's got uh, a season to worry about. He's got a lot of things on his head, and he's trying to make a really difficult decision in the next four years of his life, and I don't think anybody should judge him for that. All right. Man, all of us recruiting fans, that's all we do is worry, Gerard. I don't know what you're talking about. It's recruiting. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Uh, it's a soap opera. It's a soap opera. <laughs> it is. It's, uh, that's why it's fun to follow. Uh, from Roger, real quick, who do you think the best recruit is out there to offer the number 55 jersey for the class of 2010? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, the best recruit obviously would have to be a linebacker. Um, that tradition is pretty much stemmed on linebackers. Uh, you know, Ronald Powell is definitely a guy that – uh, if you if you look at an all around player that that could really represent that jersey well, uh, he would be the guy that I think that you would you would put on him. I I really don't know if I see another linebacker out there that wows me enough to to wear that number outright. And you know people talked about maybe Jarvis Jones wearing the number fifty five, and uh, you know we'll see how that goes with him progressing. He got a lot of time in the Ohio State game. I, I think you know for a true freshman. Um, coming in and, and, and watching him in crunch time in, in really crucial situations, they, they had Jarvis Jones out there a lot. So it's not necessarily ruled out that a guy that's already on the roster could get that 55. But as far as the targets, the guys at USC's recruiting the 2010 class, I, I'd have to go with Ronald Powell. I think he's the uber-athlete, the guy that all around 
um, really represents a, a playmaker on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, he could play that, that linebacker position, which he's playing now, um, a little bit with a, with an ankle sprain, and he's, and he's still fighting through it. Or he's a guy that, you know, ends up playing defensive end and putting his hand down, and it could be like a Willie McGinnis. No, I like that, Gerard. See, my, my whole we talked about this a few podcasts ago. I wanted to see once I saw the top five when they redid the Rattles 100, and USC was in on all the top five. I'm like, how cool would that be if the Chargers got to sign all of those dudes? So, haven't given Powell 55, inch him a little closer to committing. I think that's not a bad idea, Gerard. You know, what do you think? Well, and, and the only <laughs> the only catch with it, the only catch with it is that uh, Ronald Powell is very serious about Florida. And sure. There's a lot of talk about him going back to Florida on an unofficial visit. I, I haven't really talked to him about that. It would be difficult for him because he's got a game Friday, and, and it's, you know, it's a lot of talk. I think he's going to take his official visit probably a little later to Florida, and that's when he'll be out there next. But, um, you know, USC's got to sign him first before they can put that number 55 Oh, yeah, on. but that, that could help. That's what I'm saying, you know, but – how the, I mean, I think the USC fans, the peristyle would blow up if, if USC got, you know, Henderson, Powell, you know, all those guys, all five. So that'd be, that'd be interesting. We'll have to see. There's a long way to go. They could get none yeah, of them. You're, you're, you're building, I'm trying to stay away from that. <laughs> I'm dodging that thing completely. I'm not even, so Gerard, I'm not even putting those names in yeah. succession together because it just builds those expectations and people will freak out if even, you know, they'll get four or five of those guys and they'll still freak out about the fifth guy they didn't They didn't get, get yeah. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance, Gerard. All right, so everyone, Gerard's on record. He said about 50-50 they signed the top five guys in the car. Just kidding, everyone. Okay, uh, let's go down to our last, uh, yeah. Um, oh, this is a very difficult name. This one is from JD in Maryland, and I'm going to try this. He's a defensive end from up in Portland, Owawambe Odagizua. Is that how do you say? That's pretty close. Is it pretty That's close? Pretty good. That's pretty good. It's pretty good because you went for the first name. And you went with the whole first name. A lot of people just call him Owa. He goes by Owa, and that's cool. But Owambe is the first name uh, completely. And Odegizua, yeah, is uh, his last name. Okay. Uh, big uh, defensive end. You talk about Ronald Powell, a guy that you know USC is looking at as, as, as a defensive end. And now they've kind of shifted over and, and they've transitioned a little bit. And Ken Norton's talking about him playing linebacker a little bit. Um, you know, Owa's a guy that is still that defensive end that's you know kind of maybe that weak side guy, 6'3", 230. Um, a real worker. He's a five-star recruit now, and people that have seen him at every camp have just fell in love with him. And uh, yeah, he's 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 a guy that's a little under the radar for USC. I think at this point, Cal is definitely uh, the leader for him. Um, we'll kind of see how that that goes along. You know, his his process is going to go into probably January, maybe a signing day type deal. So. You know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. It's definitely something that, you know, for USC, I mean, they like those out-of-state recruits that kind of prolong the process and, and let things play out and don't necessarily commit early or, you know, you get the situation you've got with Kyle Prater. Right. So you can see why they kind of like things to, you know, be a little more last minute, a little more at the end. So, you know, all this drama is, is, is kind of squished together in a matter of three weeks instead of three months. And you kind of talked to him right after the Ohio State game. Sound like he was pretty impressed. Yeah, I chatted with him, and, and he watched the game, and, and he definitely uh, he was impressed with USC just the way they finished the game and, and the way they kind of competed at the end of the game and pulled it out. And he was really honest and said, you know, I didn't think that they would be able to pull it out in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, the way they'd been playing the whole game offensively, they really just couldn't move the ball and to be down at their own end zone uh, to go 86 yards. He didn't think that they were able to do it, but was, was impressed that they were able to do it. 
I'm I'm a little worried. If you know, it's five star guy. Obviously, USC got you know, USC fans want to get him. I'm a little worried about Dan spelling his name right if he if he signs with USC. What do you, what do you think? Man, that would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would just that kidding, would be Dan. Interesting. No, no, that's, that would it, be interesting. It's all good. Sometimes it takes a while to learn dudes' names. You know, if you t- you can add them in your spell check and stuff. That, that's a name I think you'd want to put in there right away. It's uh. Yeah, yeah, you just cross your fingers that that you know he would he would he would spell it right the first time and then just copy and paste the rest of it. Right. Okay. And then the last one. Uh, this is from our, our friend Terry and Day. He likes to ask questions of the podcast, and we appreciate him. And of course, if you have a question, podcast at USC Football. What was the question about Ola? <laughs> was it was that was that the was no, question just, there? Was he impressed? He just wanted to see if he was impressed with his visit. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. Uh, he, he. Oh, actually, he well, did he visit did USC visit. too. Yeah. The, the, no, no, no. Yeah, he is not. He's, he's, oh, will he? he visit? Visit. I'm sorry. The question was, will he visit? My bad. I'm sorry about that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was I, I was talking about him there, and I felt like I didn't answer a question. Um, I, I forgot he, to ask you the question. <laughs> he, will, he will. He will visit USC. Um, like I said, he's you know looking to kind of and really delay the process. I think as much as possible until after the season. So um, when he visits USC, it's going to be after the season. He'll be a guy that'll be coming in in December, uh, maybe January. So um, yeah, he did. He wasn't at the game uh, at Ohio State. Um, he hasn't. Uh, I don't know if he's taken actually any visits or unofficial visits during the season thus far. They just started the season up there in Portland, and um, so you know he's. He, he, they lost their first game. He was pretty bummed about that. It was a close game. It was like 27-24 or something. And so he's really one of those kids that really wants to focus on his senior year, have a good year, and then worry about recruiting afterwards. And like I said, that kind of plays into, you know, the way USC likes to recruit anyways. All right. And then the last one, uh, sorry about that, uh, J.D., forgot to ask the actual question. We just started talking about uh, real quick from Terry. Yeah, he got sucked up with his name. You, you just love that name. Yeah. I just, if I can pronounce the name right, I'm pretty impressed oh, with <laughs> Uh, Terry want to know about Anthony Brown. He's the uh, a rival's three-star recruit that uh, committed to USC. Uh, he wants to know why the coaches are so high on him. And he, he kind of made a reference to being a three-star. And I, I don't want people to put too much into it. And, of course, all the USC fans, you want to kind of look at that chart and see all five stars and four stars and stuff. But, you know, there's guys that are come in that, you know, everyone can't be ranked really high. And, and part of the coach's job is to find guys that maybe are underrated or, or or fits their system well you know so um i wouldn't put too much into that but uh you know he wants to know specifically why are the coaches high on anthony brown kevin ellison josh pinkard drew McAllister. there have been plenty of three stars that have contributed quite a bit to usc over the past few years and winning championships i think anthony brown you don't doubt anthony brown if you knew anthony brown you get to see the kid at camps you just talk to the kid for probably 15 minutes. It's a question that would never come up. He is so competitive. I'm telling you. He went, to like, he went to like every camp, right? I mean, he went everywhere to compete. I think I counted 14 camps, 16 camps or something that he went to over the past year. And uh, he was at more camps, quite frankly, than I was. And, I mean, <laughs> he, he was at every camp. He, he would text me and be like, hey, well, how come you're not at this camp? And I'm like, dude, I was just at this camp. He... <laughs> He went to every camp and competed, went after it. Um, you know, he the way he talks, I think there's probably some lineage there. I think he's related to Pete Carroll somewhere. I think there's some <laughs> somewhere along the line. Anthony he's he's drank the Kool-Aid already, the always-compete Kool-Aid. Okay. It's not even Kool-Aid. This kid kind of came out of the womb talking like Pete Carroll. That's what I'm saying. He is so competitive. He's got such drive. 
there's just there's just no doubt. You know, I mean, in in terms of being, you know, is he big enough? Is he, you know, he's five ten. He's about 180 pounds. Um, you know, really good running back at high school. He's got good speed. He's a four five five guy, legitimately. Um, he's strong. You know, you look at him. He, he's a really well built kid. He's quick, but he's instinctual. He's physical. He's aggressive, and he's just got that intangible drive that he's just not gonna be denied. It's just one of those things that I think he could put his head into doing anything, and he's gonna do it just just because. He just wants to so bad, and and it's really something you don't see to that extreme with any kids. And you know, there's a lot of guys that I've been impressed with the way they carry themselves. You know, guys like Chris Gallipo, guys like Matt Barkley, that you see that that aura about them, the way they handle themselves. You know, they're very confident, and they're going to work hard to get to a certain point. The thing with Anthony Brown, it's just beyond that. I mean, he is he willed himself into getting a scholarship offer from USC. And I'll be honest with you, I doubted it. When he didn't get the scholarship offer at the skills camp, because he was really good at the skills camp, I thought, you know what, it ain't going to happen. I mean, they've seen him. You know, Pete Carroll, I'm sure he just he likes the way the kid fights and how aggressive he is, but just isn't buying into him being 5'10". And I could just see that. But he came back to the Rising Stars camp, and he got the scholarship offer. And it was just like, wow, I mean, you just can't doubt Anthony Brown. And it's not just a matter of a guy being a, a workout warrior because he shows up to a bunch of camps. It's an intangible. It's really the way the kid talks. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, we have to get him on the podcast, I think. I think that's maybe right. the only way or some kind of video interview where people can just listen to him talk and just look at his eyes when he's talking. <laughs> And he he just looks right through you. He is gonna get it done. He's going to be successful. Now he's you know taking extra classes so he can graduate in the spring because he wants to be Matt, like Matt Barkley and be a guy who can contribute right away as a freshman. And you know what? I'm not gonna doubt him. He's a three star. He's five ten. He's this. He's that. You know, fine, whatever. But I'm not doubting the kid anymore. He's just done too much in the past year, year and a half, um, to 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 really doubt him and, and to really think he can't do anything he puts his mind to. You gotta love dudes that have chips on their shoulders and just ready to go out and prove themselves. But all right, Gerard. I don't think he even realizes he has a chip on his shoulder. He just—it's—it's it's like nothing even of that matters. It's like so what? I'm gonna do it. I'm—I'm I'm born to do this. He puts his mind to it and just just driven, man. He's just somebody's like a firecracker lit under him, and he just goes and does it. All right, Gerard. Well, thanks. Awesome stuff as always. I'm—I'm I'm so impressed every time you just rattle off. 25 records off the top of your head. I'm impressed, I'm impressed by you, my man. I mean, did the whole Owambe thing, I was, I thought, hey. I was like, you know, you could just call him Owa, and he <laughs> just went for the Owambe. So, hey, that's kudos to Ryan. Credit. He's, hey. he's doing his homework. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. But thank you very much for joining us. And, uh, well, everyone can, uh, if you want to hear from more from Gerard, don't forget we got that uh, uscfootball.com dinner coming up uh, September 24th. That's a Thursday night, 730 at the National Sports Grill. You can just email me, podcast at uscfootball.com, if you want more information. But Gerard will be a speaker. Of course, Anthony Davis, our featured speaker for that event. So it should be a lot of fun. But Gerard, again, thanks for joining us, and we'll uh, talk to you next week. Cool, man. I appreciate it. And everyone out there, thank you very much for tuning in. Enjoy the games this weekend as USC takes on Washington. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free 
Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 